I am so disappointed with what you've done. You left me. You left me. Well, I am back. And it's time to go. Yeah, God, that day was crazy. That was a long day. Yeah. That was a long day. Yeah. Well, we, we just we, we worked uh, super, super hard um, all day long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> thankfully, um, uh, uh, both uh, Stella and Garcelle like, are champions because uh, they were in the cold uh, the longest uh, and they got it done. Was it like winter? Uh, getting there. It was like a cold, rainy day in northern uh, Vancouver. Uh, and you know, Garcelle was wearing uh, basically gauze, uh, so she was, you oh, know, no. like um, she. It was just, it was just super cold, and it was a really. We had, uh, you know, the the daylight uh, wasn't lasting that long because it was sometime I think in November, uh, and so there wasn't a lot of daylight, and there was just a bunch of stuff to get done at that location, and so we were just outside all day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna start us off. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Physical Kids Weekly. I'm Clara, um, and Danny is actually not here today because her power went out, so we are very fortunate to um, have Logan step in for her again, and even more fortunate that we are joined by Mackenzie Mac Aston, who has the honor of Good playing... Good evening. Good <laughs> evening. Thank you for having me. Oh, we're so happy to have you. So yeah, Mac plays both Richard and Reynard on The Magicians, and we're, we're just so delighted to have you here. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a treat. It's a treat. And uh, everyone to whom I've spoken uh, who has been on the show uh, has uh, had a good time and digs what you guys do. Oh, well, I, I think the, feel, the feeling is very mutual, obviously. <laughs> That's you good. To... That's good. I'm actually I'm tickled that you guys uh, called. <laughs> oh, well, we're, we're so happy to have you on here. You're, you're definitely it, it's such a rich. I mean, it's it's a rich two characters. Um, so we'll start with the basics. Yeah, and just crazy. Yeah. Tell our listeners a little bit about each of your characters. We can start with Richard. Uh, yeah, great. Well, that's, uh, that's how it started <laughs> for me. Um, well, Richard comes into uh, season one of The Magicians about halfway through, uh, and Julia has found herself uh, in a rehab uh, trying to uh, kick her, uh, I guess, addiction to magic. And uh, Richard uh, is one of the guys that runs the rehab. Uh, he's the chaplain there, I think, officially. Uh, and he recognizes immediately in her uh, sort of a kindred spirit, um, somebody somebody for whom magic is uh, very important. Um, it, it, there's a, a great little moment that almost um, you almost miss uh, in the, the first episode in which I appear, uh, where uh, Richard indicates that he's a Break Bills uh, alum, yeah. uh, and it kind of it kind of sticks in Julia's craw because at that <laughs> point in the in the story, you know, uh, Break Bills is. Uh, you know, has has not accepted her or kicked her out, and uh, and and she's not so crazy about that. So it makes it a little bit tougher for her to get to know uh, Richard right away. But uh, what's great is that he helps bring her back around to the idea that um, magic can be something that is useful uh, and uh, and and powerful and used for good which is what he's all about at that point in uh, in Richard's story. And then, of course, uh, you know, things. <laughs> go awry <laughs> uh, and about five episodes uh, later uh, after we learn a bit, little bit more about Richard uh, which is actually you know uh, some stuff that was really endearing to me about him his uh, backstory is uh, pretty intense um, and yeah. actually 
in, in some ways is, is not dissimilar to experiences that I've had, uh, if I can speak uh, candidly, uh, not uh, leaving children uh, in a hot car, uh, but having, uh, you know, dealt with, uh, you know, addiction issues and stuff. Uh, so there was a lot about Richard uh, that I identified with just out of the gate, which was really fortunate. I think part of the reason that, that I got the, the job, to be honest, I think, I think uh, John and Sarah were looking for somebody um, you know, who'd had some life experience, uh, and, uh, who were also still, you know, trying to do good in the world, uh, mm. <clears throat> you know, what they've got, which is, you know, uh, yeah, which is uh, Richard <laughs> in a nutshell. Yeah. And yeah, and, <clears throat> in a lot of ways, uh, me too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that was, that was great. And that was a good fit. And I think, you know, um, for the first few episodes that I worked on a couple years ago, you know, when we get to know Richard, it was really, uh, it was really a comfortable place, uh, for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so actually before, maybe before you even tell us about, sure. uh, yeah, Renard, yeah. I've been wondering, did you know you'd be playing both characters? No. <laughs> so here's, so here's what so, happened. Yeah, so how did that come about? Um, it was pretty interesting. It was actually, it was really interesting um, because, uh, I, you know, I got the part. I, I, I knew right away that it was going to be a, a six-episode uh, arc, uh, they call it. Um, but I had no idea what happened outside of the audition scenes. Uh, I, I, far be it for me to turn down the opportunity to work on a television show uh, for six episodes. So I was like, heck yeah. Uh, and of course I already kind of identified with the guy and I thought it was uh, great. So I don't believe it's until episode, uh, 12 or 13 when, uh, yeah. things go, uh, really awry. Uh, and so while we were shooting and I still had no idea, uh, while we were shooting long about episode 10 or 11, um, <laughs> people started to pass me in the hallway, uh, up at the stages in Vancouver and they were like, Hey, have you read 12 yet? <laughs> uh, and I was like, uh, no. And they're like, oh, okay. And they, they would move on. Now, I, it's I like people, it's like people knowing really bad things about your life. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the thing. It, it was like the way that they were asking the question, it, it, they were nervous about it. And so I was like, uh, no, uh, I haven't, but I didn't, I didn't pry. I figured it was not going to end, uh, well, uh, you know, there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff that happens within the realm of the magicians that is, um, pretty gnarly. So I figured it was going to be something, uh, ghastly, but I thought it was, I thought it was just going to be, uh, you know, something bad, ha you know, the, the, the end of Richard. <clears throat> and then I think it was the, maybe two weeks before we actually, uh, got the scripts for the last episode. Um, a couple of the producers pulled me aside. They said, listen, we gotta, <laughs> we gotta tell you what happens. I'm like, yeah, I've been, you know, people have been saying, mm -hmm. uh, and then it was described to me what, um, actually takes place. And I'm oh. certain that your audience, uh, knows, but, uh, quickly, uh, in an effort to, to summon a goddess, to try to, um, get the power that they need to reverse time to fix, uh, some problems, uh, <laughs> uh, that they've all got, um, the whole, uh, the whole gang, um, they summon Reynard the Fox who, uh, very quickly um, tears out Richard's heart, uh, takes a bite of it, chucks it aside, and steps into his body to perform, um, you know, a violent sexual assault. Uh, so my uh, response to that was, uh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, in the moment when you're in a conversation with somebody, somebody that you aim to please, somebody who's your boss, like, you know, your immediate response is, all right, yeah, let's do this. But um, then I went home and thought, uh, shit. Uh, can I say shit? Yeah. We're, <laughs> okay. we're on iTunes. <laughs> so right. okay. so uh, actually what I thought was fuck. Um, because... So like, and here's a little backstory, uh, you know, and this is going to eat up some time, but it was an interesting experience like as an actor and as a human being. So throughout my career, and I've been lucky that I've been able to do this for a a long time now, um, I've tried to avoid the kinds of characters that are, um, you know, darker. Like I, and this is the absolute truth. There's a number of conversations that I've been in throughout my life um, where I have actually said the following words to another person where I've said, listen, I don't want to be the guy that rapes a girl in a scene and has somebody come up to them later and say, hey, man, when you raped that girl in that scene, that was really great, man. Oh, God. Is that a thing that happens? Well, like to actors, uh, does that happen? I mean, it was it, it was certainly a hypothesis. I, oh, I haven't gee. I haven't heard anybody say, but well, I, you know, the way some people talk about some performances, you know, it's a little unsettling. And we're in yeah. a day and age. I have felt for some time that people, you know, people sort of repeat what they see, and and there's a lot of stuff. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that glorifies and sexualizes violence, yeah. and I don't I don't know that that's the healthiest stuff to put out, but. You know, people uh, keep buying it, so they keep selling it. So, all of a sudden, <laughs> um, unbeknownst to me and without any warning, I found myself with this information that what was going to happen to the the part that I had been hired to play was completely different, and put me in the position where, <laughs> uh, you know, I had to do as an actor a, a very, very, very uh, untoward um, act. And I was, you know, uh, grateful for some uh, counseling from both my wife and my father, which was like, uh, you know, dude, do your job, um, do your job. And so I, I, I did the best I could to do my job, um, which was, you know, tough because that's some heavy, heavy duty stuff. But here's what I can yes. tell you about um, actors and about human nature and about the desire to be liked. <laughs> when we finished what I wanted – was to be the guy that somebody came up to and said, "Hey, man, when you did that scene, it <laughs> oh was really God. great." Just because you want for the performance, the validation for the performance. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah. You want to so, know that what you had to do was still a good job, right. and it was you know that you contributed to the telling of the story. And, and this is yeah. also where Sarah Gamble um, really had some wonderful words of wisdom as well, just about. You know the content and how it's not to be um, sex- uh, glorified, and it's not to be sexualized. It's not to yeah. be sensualized. I should say so, sensualized. Yeah. I actually want to talk about that more because yeah, yeah, um, yeah. we we our very first interview that we did before we actually were a podcast um, we did with Lev Grossman who wrote the books, um, uh-huh. and he said we asked him about that scene in the books, um, and he said um, that he really wanted to, that, like, he's gotten a lot of flack for it, but his goal was he's seen so many things in literature where, like, a god rapes a mortal and it's treated like this beautiful thing. And mm-hmm. he wanted to mm-hmm. reinscribe the horror into, um, into that story and into that scene to prevent it from being romanticized. And that was the thing that struck me the most about um, what Sarah Gamble did in the show is it is so horrific. And it's, it's more horrific than if it had been just some, like, faceless... Uh, random fox right. god. 
Yeah, it's kind of a brilliant storytelling maneuver in 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 that you, you know they introduce you to somebody who's uh, sweet and loving and caring and uh, and you know uh, with whom uh, Julia's character has uh, a, a great connection and uh, and yeah. uh, you know, uh, a deep connection uh, just before it happens, uh, and then you turn you turn that character into um, an awful awful monster, uh, which which they did, which is you know which is terrific and. Uh, though, and I, I'm almost embarrassed. Well, no, not necessarily embarrassed to admit. Though I haven't delved into the books, I did take a brief uh, look at um, that particular passage. The, um, mm. the, the that you know, just to see how it was originally uh, written, uh, and it is you know vastly, vastly different. You know, it's it's it is, in, yeah. In the yeah. Book. It's a giant, it's a big giant fox. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, they definitely approach this character in a different way for the TV show than what was expected for book readers. Yeah, and I and I think that there's some value there. Yeah, because, I agree. You know, the, the old adage is that the, the book is never as good, or the movie is never as good as the book. And I, I think that there's something um, inarguably true about that because... Uh, nothing is more powerful and um, particular uh, and elegant than our own individual imaginations. And so mm-hmm. what w- the blanks that we fill in when we're reading something right. uh, are, are, are you know, so personal to us that I think when people see uh, films or television shows that are made from books, it, it's, it's very difficult for it to not be an offense because it's not yeah. what you've already seen. Well, and, yeah. And I, and you were talking about that need for validation earlier. I think that's a lot of what it is too, right? Like when w- a lot of times what we see in like if people say an adaptation is good or an adaptation is bad, what they're really saying is it agrees with me or it disagrees with me. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the thing, you know, so that, and that was one of the fantastic things about um the the Lord of the Rings trilogy, if I can, because uh, I have, Oh yeah, uh, we'll circle back some, to that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. to it. Um, you know, it was it was really, really um, a testament, I think, to Peter uh, to Peter Jackson's abilities and to um, the 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 all in commitment that was made to uh, you know uh, honoring those books uh, <clears throat> in a manner that would um, would please the, the readers. So, you know, and those books have been around for for a, a while longer than than the magicians, and and they did so. <laughs> Just a and little. what's what's so interesting to me about um, the response that I've seen because you know I've uh, lurked a little. Uh, actually, I haven't uh, uh, at all during the second season. I had other. I was busy, but during the first season, in the build-up to um, you know the finale, I was trying to pay attention to how people were responding uh, on uh, the interwebs, uh, and it was interesting to see how um, people who were new to the series without having read the books. Uh, were totally, totally taken with it, and the people who uh, were familiar with the with the the series because of the books um, had issues with some of the changes from the books um, early on. But as the season progressed, yeah. I found that a lot of people who were disappointed with what they had been introduced to in the beginning had come around to the storytelling technique and were by the end of the first season completely uh, enwrapped. Yeah, Not a word. yeah. Enwrapped. Going into <laughs> it. Um, from at least my personal perspective, watching it, um, I binged it all on net, the first season all on Netflix within like three days. Mm-hmm. And so going into it, I was kind of worried with the changes that they made. But then going into season two, it kind of starts to unravel more and build upon itself in a way that, you know, you can tell that they're definitely starting to get their feet 
and start yep. really running with everything. And it's it's making me more confident and more excited for the season three stuff yeah. to see where they're taking it and how they're dealing with their own spinoffs versus how Lev handled everything within the books. Right. We were, it, it's Go ahead. We were talking about this a little bit on the podcast because we, we're going back to season one now. So I think we actually just – we just released like two hours ago um, – uh, the writing room episode. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, one of my, like my feeling, I saw the first episode and I, I was like really, really terrified when I saw the first episode. Cause I was like, this does not feel like my magicians. These books are so important to me. I felt like, like they, I was worried that that was all we were going to get of Julia's story was like that right. <laughs> 15 minute right. arc. And I was just like, Oh no, she's such an important character. Um, right. And for me, the place where I, it turned around for me was when they stopped trying to tell the story in the books. It was episode four in the uh, mental institution where I was like, uh-huh. Oh yeah, this is, this is something new. And it's, it's, it's taking some like deep truths about these characters and repurposing it. Uh, was that the Taylor Swift episode? Yeah. <laughs> that was the Taylor Swift episode. Yeah. So good. <laughs> yeah. Good for them. It is, it's, it's, it's a very daunting task um, uh, to take a, a material that's already been published and turn it into, it you know, in particular, you know, something that's on the page and turn it into something that's on the screen. And especially uh, you, something like the magicians where you have that magical aspect and there are so many like post-production and CG values that you might, want to do but not have the budget for or not sure. have the technology yeah, for yeah. so you have to find a way to work around that and still get the concept across the way you need to get it across for a sci-fi show like this totally and to and to and to satisfy you know major plot points that are of great value in the books and also keep it exciting uh, f- uh, for the eyes. Uh, so, mm. you know, my, 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 my hat is uh, off and great kudos to John and Sarah. Well, and, you know, in a lot of ways, the, um, the, and I'm sure everybody's spoken to this, but the production design and, uh, and the wardrobe design and the makeup design and mm. all of the, um, the pieces of the larger puzzle for really, you know, uh, bringing something uh, to, to a life that people, um, people yeah. are digging on. You know, it, it, it's not an easy task, and they have they've done so with a plop. Yeah. I think the thing that's so fascinating to me, and it, all the things that you're mentioning, right? Like that is the TV version of world building, mm-hmm. um, right? Like in a book, you you only have words to do it, but in a TV show, you have all of these other tools, and uh, the the show is really, really using them to its advantage. It's using every single piece. Yeah, absolutely, and you know, and they've they've uh, they've made it fun, and they've made it timely, and you know, <clears throat> to your point, uh, it, it was um, really interesting to see how, uh, you know, they had to take some some of the timing stuff uh, out of order in order to mm-hmm. um, tell a better story over uh, the, the 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 sequence of thirteen yeah. episodes. Uh, you know, because I remember reading that people were like, "Hey, this stuff doesn't happen till book two, and this stuff doesn't happen <laughs> till then, and this stuff doesn't happen." But in in telling in in recreating a narrative uh, with you know you know some limitations, just in terms of the length of uh, time for an episode and the number of episodes in the season, uh, I, they they did a they did a bang up job. Yeah. They did a bang up yeah. job. Okay, so before we get too far afield f- from you, because <laughs> you're <laughs> you're a special guest here today. Um, so I guess I want to go to a couple listener questions. Um, do you want to do you want to sure. go through those? Our Logan, sorry, it's still labeled Danny in our <laughs> script. Yeah, so. <laughs> uh, pretty funny. 
Yeah, uh, one of the listeners, Nick, wants to know, uh, was it hard for you to keep the characters separate, especially in episodes like the um, the Underworld episode where oh, yeah. you play both characters in the same episode? So was it hard for you to keep them separate? Uh, you know, you know, it's it's funny. Uh, not at all. Uh, not at all. And there's a there's a couple of reasons. First, they're so vastly, vastly different. Um, you know, uh, it, it's just the the shell that's the same, uh, which I think is an interesting interesting thing about uh, you know human nature. <laughs> um, but uh, there's a couple of physical aspects that made that make um, playing the Reynard character um, so completely Reynard. And really it boils down to the eyes. So they've got these contact yeah. lenses that make the irises sort of vertical that, you know, like, uh, like a fox's iris, I would yeah. imagine, or maybe, uh, you know, kind of like a, a sci-fi, uh, fox's eyes. Uh, <laughs> and they are large, they're large enough, uh, you know, to sort of cover, uh, you know, my entire, they're you know, oh, big. Uh, yeah. and thankfully oh, so creepy. <laughs> <laughs> the the effects people are you know gifted and so like the you know taking them on and taking them out uh it has been you know easy and no problem whatever but um when they're in <laughs> because they're uh because they're you know they're dyed they're um tinted mm. um my my vision is kind of limited uh so and not you know like in a dangerous way but it's just there's only a certain it, there it's kind of it's kind of narrowed i can mm. only see really what's right in front of me my peripheral uh, goes away. Uh, and for some reason, um, that really, really works, uh, for the character, I think, because as, as, you know, as, um, as wily as he is, he does have, uh, one sort of, uh, tunnel vision, uh, focus, uh, throughout, uh, season two, which is to find his mom and take her to task. Mm. Uh, and so, uh, having my vision limited uh, makes the character oh, easier to play. It was like you know a metaphor. I mean? It was like a physical metaphor. Yeah, yeah. It, just, it, it works perfectly. It's magic, I like to say. It's absolute Hat. magic. Also, <laughs> um, Richard does like his dad jokes. He sure does. And, you know, uh, and like, uh, it just, you know, it was such a treat actually to, to be able to, to be uh, Richard again for a little bit because, you know, he's a, he's a genuinely nice guy. Uh, and I, you know, I, I think that I'd lean that direction personally. So, um, <laughs> so there, it's just, it's, it's certainly more comfortable, you know, all the stuff that, that Reynard, uh, uh does, uh, you know, I, I can imagine how, um, a lot of people would have, have fun doing it, uh, but it's, it's work. Um, yeah. you know, the, the, and the, the, the Speaking of that, we had another listener question that kind of touches on that. Um, Dom wants to know, like, when you're playing the tough scenes, um, like, what's it like to play? We kind of touched on this earlier, but what's it like to act out that scene where your character is doing something so awful? Like, how do you prepare for something like that? And how do you disengage yourself afterwards? Well, you know, the thing thing about... um, the thing about any any character is that they all have wants. You know, um, Richard wants to find his uh, son and wants to make that okay. Uh, Reynard wants to find his mom and make that okay in his way. And you know, everybody everybody has a a, a want, and it's just a function of being able to completely focus on what that want is in the moment. Um, and you know, it's it's funny <clears throat> in the 
in the in the scene at the end of season one, um, the horrifying uh, uh, scene where Julia is uh, assaulted, uh, you know the 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 character uh, wants uh, to be doing what he's doing, and an interesting thing happened. Um, that night because it was a long uh, night of shooting and that's what we finished with and it was you know it's kind of it's horrifying it was you know <laughs> the floor was already uh covered in uh in cl- covered in the free traders blood and uh we uh we'd done uh you know though they had been uh, killed and and then <laughs> they were lucky enough to be able to go home uh for some of it um but when it came to time to do the actual assault um i me mac mckenzie uh i didn't want to do it um, you know, because it's it's an awful, awful thing, and and even though you know you're supposed to be able to separate yourself, um, you know, the, the 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 somatic system doesn't necessarily know the difference, and so mm-hmm. your 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 body feels like it's doing this awful, awful thing, and so I uh, and this is you know I guess an admission of 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 poor craft, but in the first take, like I wanted it to be done with, I wanted to get it over with, and like I kind of you know uh, hustled through it. And um, you know, huge kudos to a couple of people who uh, will re- remain uh, nameless, um, who pulled me aside and said, "Hey, dude, uh, you have to want this. You have to enjoy this. You know, <sighs> you have to enjoy this." Uh, and thankfully, I was able to f- find you know the dark uh, place that would enjoy that. Um, and 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 go there and 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 we got it and it was good and and then you know uh, everybody uh, <laughs> went to their separate corners and took very long uh, silkwood showers. <laughs> uh, that's an old joke. Um, and so uh, as it pertains to the stuff in in season two, I think I had a little bit. Um, a little bit easier a time of it because of the experience in season one, and and just remembering back to the to to the direction that uh, you know you have to want it. So in the in the you know <laughs> disgusting scene with uh, sweet Casey Roll, um, <laughs> you know it, what the guy wanted is is what Reynard wanted is what Reynard wanted, and um, it's easy to identify with a with a with a want. You know what I mean? Like that's mm-hmm. that's that's human nature or uh, God nature, uh, and so in the moment, um, you can click in there. It helps to have the contacts in, uh, and I can promise you this, when they come out and the day is over, uh, I am uh, an apologetic uh, dude. <laughs> I think Casey yeah. tweeted something really sweet, like, you know, there's, I'm also, you know, in the in a circumstance like that, you want to be really careful as to, to make sure that you're not, like, hurting someone, and not, not just physically, but, like, you know, causing emotional damage. For as, yeah. as much as as much as we are making believe, uh, you know, stuff gets gnarly. And uh, k- kudos to Stella Maeve and kudos to, K- to Casey Roll for being uh, sports and for being brave uh, and throwing themselves into those uh, scenarios without a fear. You know, I, yeah. <laughs> I was the one who was afraid. Uh, and, and thankfully, you know, they, uh, they helped me get over it. Yeah, I you know I think that that you were mentioning like the sort of way that that horrible scene in season one sets up season two, and I think um, so much of what season two is about is like drawing these parallels between all of these people who just have so much trauma in their lives, right? Mm-hmm. Like like you said, like um, uh, Richard lost his son through this like horrific uh, through like the horrific side effects of his addiction and Bernard was abandoned and neglected by his mother. And uh, well, I mean, Julia suffered because of uh, Reynard and because she was abandoned by Quentin and uh, 
you know, everybody just has like horrible, horrible things that happen to them. And um, there was this like Reddit AMA a couple months ago and John McNamara said in that, that he was, he was drawn to the magicians because of all these themes of sublimated trauma. And I think like in a lot of ways, Reynard is like the most pure embodiment of that. He has just so much. It's, he's a damaged dude. <laughs> he's a damaged <laughs> god who's who's not dealing well with uh, with his issues. Here's here's the thing, you know. And without without well, no, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. we are all um, on this planet uh, working through uh, our individual traumas. Yeah. You know, uh, shit has happened to every one of us. Uh, uh, granted, there are varying uh, levels, um, but hurt is hurt. Uh, and so I think I think that's one of the reasons why the show is so popular with so many people and why so many people can feel like they are identifying with these characters is because we are all working through, um, you know, shit that happened to us. And <clears throat> those of us who can find strength in the working through the shit that happened to us are the ones um, – who have really tapped into magic. And then, you know, in a larger sense, it becomes incumbent upon us to uh, introduce others to that magic. Um, <clears throat> but uh, there's really, and, and it took me a second to get it uh, because at first I was like, oh man, it's this, you know, why do we have to go to the rape again? Why, you know, why is that being used as a, as a thing? But the more I understood it, the more I understood, you know, how valuable it can be for other people. Uh, who've had experiences that are not dissimilar to that, um, you know, Fox uh, removed, <laughs> um, to work through the stuff that happened to them. You know, mm -hmm. um, somebody else said something incredible uh, to, to me that changed my whole perspective uh, or helped, you know, uh, bolster the perspective that I was gaining. Uh, they said something like it, it was really important – to, to do that, to, to do that scene, because for people to whom that has actually happened, it's, it's of great value to see it happen to somebody else outside of themselves so they can process what happened to them, um, which when I was told this instantly brought salt water down my face. Uh, yeah. I had no idea that it was possible for something that I was afraid, uh, you know, uh, was, was glorifying or could be glorifying could actually help somebody. I think, and I, I know. Yeah. And I mean, it also helps. You don't feel so alone if you see it happen to somebody else. And, mm -hmm. you know, for some people, that's the step they need to reach out for help. Yeah. Right. Well, exactly. I, I think too, like that's, that's part of what I was getting at with like, one of the things that to me is both so horrifying, but also that I think I think is a real service. I think it's a real service to make Reynard take Richard's form because mm -hmm. it's horrifying, but it's horrifying in a true way. Like most rapes are committed by somebody who the victim knows and Ugh. like seeing a new and terrifying side of somebody that you once trusted and to have that be right. I think so much of, so much of the rape that is in shows in TV and movies, it's glorified, mm -hmm. but it's also mm -hmm. like always stranger rape. It's always stranger mm -hmm. rape. And right. so it doesn't really have much bearing on like the way that these things happen in real life. And it yeah. can make you feel more isolated. And this, I think, is less isolating for exactly that reason. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's amazing to hear that as well. And, and that's, you know, I hadn't, you know, I was also, I hadn't, uh, I hadn't realized that. It was also pretty grateful that they um, took 
you know, that, that sci-fi took care and that um, the production, uh, you know, the magicians took care mm. to, um, you know, put up some important information for people who needed to yeah, make phone calls rain, right afterwards. Um, the rain hotline, you, yeah. You know, that, that, was, uh, that was a value, uh, I, I think. And, you know, I don't know. You know, I don't know if anybody actually um, uh, made a call or anything, but but the the awareness that it showed, I thought was was you know was valuable and important. You know, yeah. um, rather than just you know showing this awful thing and uh, <laughs> going to commercial. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with that. So yeah. I've seen that on a couple shows um, are Good. starting to do that now. Uh, I think Thirteen Reasons Why was the other one I was watching. They put up the hotlines at the end of the show. Which yeah, is though I don't know about their awareness. Nice. <laughs> well, that, I mean, that's the thing. You know, we we sort of have to be responsible for for, for what for what we do um, in, in in this business. And 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 you know, I I think I probably um, soapboxed my way out of <laughs> roles in the past. But you know, I, I I have felt for a long, long time that that. <clears throat> we have to have some responsibility um, when we're presenting stories, uh, just because it's. I think it's very easy for people who don't want to think too deeply about stuff, or who have other things going on, and and just use sh- uh, show business or the entertainment industry as a way to be distracted from the difficulty of their lives. Can also find themselves transfixed in a way uh, that might encourage, uh, you know, less than stellar behavior. I I, I don't know. I don't know how much di- uh, different the news would be, uh, you know, had we not gone through like a, you know seventy years of of, of heroes uh, in movies being the ones that aim uh, truer and pull the trigger faster. <laughs> mm. uh, you know, it, it just seems like I don't know. It just seems it seems like it's important to to have some responsibility. And and for it's the jokes on on me in a way that the the trickster is on me. Um, for as much as I was afraid of of what the character uh, that I was supposed to play was becoming, um, the real learning uh, was for me to do thereafter. You know, yeah. especially as a as a as it um, applies to what what that one uh, person told me about how important it was to see it outside of themselves uh, to help process. I mean, I don't know. It, it sort of it blew my mind. Yeah. <laughs> Well, okay, so yeah. I want to change tax a bit, um, and because there's there's more heavy stuff to get to. <laughs> um, yeah, can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask about. Um, I, I found Reynard's relationship with his son with Senator Gaines so mm-hmm. fascinating and like deeply fucked up. Um, <laughs> Certainly, and like he he really forces Gaines to identify with him <laughs> to yeah. see like this potential for evil. Um. I don't know. It's so manipulative. Logan, what did you think? Uh, I found, first of all, I found that there was just in general, the situation I found paralleled Richard's, which I found was interesting and kind of a connecting point between Mm. the two characters. And then the whole relationship, it kind of showed, I feel like it shows light on how certain people in your life it doesn't take a lot of people but just that one person can change your life so much in a way mm-hmm. like because when Reynard first comes up to Gaines he's I'm gonna help you I'm I'm gonna do all these things for you I'm gonna make you so powerful like me and then towards the end of it you know you can see where he realizes all of this 
bad that he is bringing and not good. And Mm -hmm. it takes him to that point to where he essentially kills himself to not only get away from Reynard, but help Julia and Katie take Reynard down so he can't do it to other people. Yeah, so so Mac, how do you think it affects Reynard when Gaines basically kills himself, like gets like sacrifices himself, forces someone else to kill him? It it, it well the, uh, for, for I think uh, Reynard's realization uh, of that having happened um, is followed so quickly by his mother's appearance. Uh, mm. You know, uh, in uh, out there in the wind. Uh, it, it, you know, I, I don't think he I don't think he knows. Uh, I mean, he, he's only aware of it for a split, split second before suddenly the, the thing, the, you know, the, the goal yeah. that he's been trying to get to is presented to him. So I'm, I'm not sure how much time there really was for him to uh, think about it or, or, or process it. Mm. I, would, I would say that, um, you know, I, I would guess that it's, it's, tr- it's troublesome for sure, but this, the sudden appearance of his mother, which, which is, you know, the, the, the root as far as he's concerned of his, his problems, probably you know, made him not forget, but like, uh, not focus so much. Like, I don't think it really was time for, for Reynard to sort of, uh, deal with that. I, I, I will say that, like, I thought it was really interesting. Um, uh, especially now, uh, that we were introduced, <laughs> introduced to a character who was, oh, yeah. you know, in, I know the, where the you're political, going. in the political spectrum who is, has, you know, absolute power sort of dangled in front of him. Um, in in a way that is you know uh, more powerful than any of the uh, the political power that he'd already uh, been exposed to, um, and that it ends up being one of the most honorable characters uh, of the season. You know that he he gives completely of his life to number one stop the bad guy, and as you know a subset of that to to give Julia the opportunity to. Um, recover her life. And it was really beautiful, I thought, uh, timing-wise. And I don't know how they could have seen it coming. Um, uh, or, because, you know, I think at the time that we shot it, this was well before... No, I think we... I think I think the stuff with Chris Gorm... Yeah, I think I think by that point, I think the election hadn't happened yet. Um, you know, without veering too heavily that way. But it, it was just—it was just great to see a character, you know, a, a senator have such honor, um, you know, uh, in him when yeah. uh, when honor is a, a difficult thing to find uh, in today's yeah. <laughs> Congress. So we were talking too about. Um, or actually, like, right, so you mentioned, like, all the stuff piles on top of each other. OLU appears, and Julia decides to spare Reynard's life. What did you mm. think about that decision? Well, I think it was the smartest thing for Julia to do. I know mm. um, that, uh, I, I, you know, Persephone had, uh, warns her that there are tremendous consequences for killing a god. And I, I think to, uh, to to something that you were touching on before about how everybody's actions sort of uh, yeah. affect everybody else's actions, you know, there's a greater moral lesson, if you will, in that moment. Um, yeah, she's also, the one who ends the cycle of violence. Exactly, because that's that's how. I mean, in real life, that's how it happens, dudes. Like you know that, right? Like we all have to to stop. Um, and and be the thing that breaks the cycle. You know, it's it's very easy to look back, 
you know, um, at least, you know, in families that have trouble generation to generation to generation where the cycle isn't broken. And it takes tremendous, tremendous um, character and merit and strength and magic, if you will, to be the one that breaks the cycle. So yeah. the fact that Julia gets to break the cycle, I, I think, bodes very, very, very well f- for her future. Although... Um, <laughs> <laughs> This is television, <laughs> so she's going to have to suffer some more. Yeah, and, and you said you haven't read highlight. all the books, right? No, I don't. I don't. I don't. Uh, no, and I, it, <laughs> that's almost embarrassing. But there's part of me that didn't want to be encumbered by. Yeah, uh, the no, I understand that. Books, you know, Logan, what but were you going to? I was going to say highlighting back on how you were talking about how it reflects on Julia's character. I especially think that it's easy to forget at that time that Julia does not have her shade. Oh right, yeah, that's true. So she doesn't have. Add, she technically yeah. doesn't have a character. <laughs> yeah. So add that. Like that just highlights so much more on her as a person and a character yep. that she is yep. still thinking about that, even though she doesn't technically have a conscious or you know her, her I, shape. She doesn't have what most people would have that right and wrong instilled in her yeah. at that moment. Right. I I think there's probably something. Um, I think there's, I think that means, I think that kind of says something, you know, I don't know. I found in my life that there is, that there is, there's part of me that knows the difference between right and wrong, um, you know, deeply. And that part of me uh, is always going to make the right decision. It's very easy to get distracted by shiny things, um, (laughs) by stuff that tastes good, (laughs) um, by all kinds of stuff, you know, that's designed to yeah. uh, distract us. Um, but there is, like, I can remember, you know, speaking candidly, I can remember, like, when I was uh, not taking very good care of myself, like, there was part of me that knew when I was, you know, making another call late at night <laughs> uh, that I was not doing the right thing. <laughs> yeah. um, even, you know, even when I was already, you know, uh, three sheets to the wind, uh, which I, I guess could be compared to having uh, one's shade not around, uh, s- still, I think there's something in us that knows the right decision. And I think in that moment with Julia, even though she's without her shade, there's an ability to recognize, um, you know, that there are tremendous consequences for our actions. Yeah. There's, and I think there's a lot of that in that episode. I think maybe the preceding episode when she, when she talks to Katie and she says like, basically, I know I'm not going to get this right. I know I don't know right from wrong. You tell me. Uh, but I think that's also what's interesting about that scene is like, Katie can't talk, but also if Katie could talk, Katie would clearly tell her, kill Renard. Right. So, like, <laughs> she's right. being more moral than the person who's supposed to be her moral conscience in that moment. Right. You know, there, I think there's something – it's it's an amazing thing to do to an audience, too, to, because you know, in, in the stuff that I've looked at online, you know, everybody wants this guy dead, like, yeah. right away. Like People you know, are really like, torn by that scene, and, too. And, right. And, and so – and so to keep him alive, to to forgive him in a way, um, is a is a it's a very strong strong um, statement, you yeah. know. For as awful as that guy has, uh, well, that God has that God guy has been, um, s- still making the right action is making the right action, no matter yeah. what, no matter how good vengeance will feel. Um, the right action is the right action. Yeah. And and you know the the, uh, the effects of the of of the right action the of the right cause um, <laughs> are much better for us than than are, are the effects of the wrong cause. They just may not um, taste as good. <laughs> I can see why they cast you as a chaplain. 
<laughs> it's in there. It's in there. <laughs> okay, so I think we've had enough heavy stuff. Logan, you wanna you wanna ask some fun questions? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan, and I Good. have to know what it was like not only growing up with Samwise, but also <laughs> being roommates with Mary. That's, know, that's a right? lot of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, in one uh, yeah. It was it was like a ton of hobbits. Uh, there was uh, it was <laughs> it was a Um <laughs> So, I, you know, Sean's an incredible dude, and like he, his dedication to the work is uh, is amazing, and not just the work that happens like on screen. Like his ability to na- navigate this business as a business person is is amazing. It's something that I uh, don't have uh, a gift for. He's like he's gifted in that realm. Um, <laughs> he so like uh, so when he got that part, you know, we all knew that it was going to be just uh, an incredible, incredible undertaking. And he was gone. You know, he and, he and his wife took off. Uh, and just the one child, Chris, uh, Alexandra, uh, they only had one uh, girl at the time. You know, they were gone for like two and a half years. I got to go visit once. Mm. And it's hard to say like where they were in the filming. Uh, <clears throat> I think it was about smack dab in the middle. And the experience of being on that set was uh, something else. You know, I, I, I've I've been lucky enough to work on 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 a, a, a few uh, very large movies, but nothing <laughs> as, as large as this. Like uh, uh, it was just, you know, it was amazing the 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 amount of people that they had to feed uh, breakfast to. You know, there was like oh, four hundred yeah. people eating breakfast yeah. uh, every day at work, and uh, and you know they were they were shooting one uh, sequence uh, in one place, and there was another camera. Uh, couple of cameras like 45 feet away shooting a different sort of stunt sequence and then there was um, a monitor that was hooked up to a satellite that went to the other island where they were shooting another sequence so Peter Jackson could look at the monitor and say like hey move the camera a couple feet to the right or something like that and it all happened um, like ballet it was Mm. it was absolutely breathtaking to go down and just hang out for a little bit also um, Sean was down there for about like, you know, I think it was probably a year before, um, I went to visit and he would call every now and then. And in talking to him as the the progression went on, um, I, like I could tell something was happening. Like he, he's always been kind of a square, right? And <laughs> he was suddenly less square. Like he was using expressions that I thought, well, I'm surprised to hear him say that. Or he was refer- <laughs> he was referencing music that I was well, actually surprised to hear him referencing. And I didn't realize what was going on until I got down there and met Elijah. <laughs> <laughs> Elijah Wood took my brother from square to circle. Uh, and it was, well, maybe oval. It was incredible. It's kind of like their characters in the movie. <laughs> I like their yeah. characters in the movie, uh, and it was you know it's it was just it, 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 Elwood's influence on Sean was just so so great. While I was down there, um, I w- uh, I got to meet Dom and Billy as well. And uh, <laughs> um, at the time, I was like in my twenties and a little rowdier than I am now. And so uh, I went out with the boys a couple nights, and uh, we certainly had a good time. So when the films were finished and Dom came uh, back to the states, uh, he was. It was interesting because he was sort of starting out as an actor. The films hadn't come out yet. He was new to Los Angeles. He was new to America in that respect. And even though he had this tremendous thing on his resume, he he was still you know kind of the new guy in town. And he yeah. he didn't have a place yet. He was living in his 
uh, manager's uh, um, converted garage. Um, and we were hanging out just a little bit and I had been, I had been living in a two bedroom house, uh, for a little while with, uh, you know, no roommates or anything that small two bedroom house for a little while. <clears throat> and, uh, I was like, Hey dude, uh, why don't you just move in with me? He's like, actually that would be kind of rad. <laughs> Everybody else, my brother, my brother's wife, Elwood. Well, no, Elijah was cool with it. They were like, no, it's a terrible idea. Terrible <laughs> idea. <laughs> you two guys will, you two guys will, you know, you'll drink each other into oblivion. Uh, we did, which was nice. Um, but we did have, did have a lot of fun. I will say that there were some epic PlayStation two battles, uh, late <laughs> in the night. Um, there was uh, a fair, uh, a fair bit wait, of wait, what game, what PlayStation two games? Uh, well, we, I mean, we sort of alternated playing, uh, the Grand Theft Auto, which, uh, I think at that point would have been San Andreas. Huh, uh-huh. Um, it was, so there was also a boxing game. Uh, that the two of us were both into, uh, that we had a lot of fun, you know, fighting each other. He would play FIFA with a couple of other friends um, of his uh, English friends. I wasn't too familiar with the with the FIFA stuff, uh, so I just would uh, sit back and uh, watch and uh, try to consume uh, as many beers as possible. <laughs> that's <laughs> uh, what I do when my husband plays FIFA. So <laughs> right, that's what you do. So, but we had um, we had a good time. I will say this. We had, we had a good time. He And it wasn't too long after he moved in, maybe a year or so, uh, that he booked um, Lost. Uh, and so uh, he moved to Hawaii, which was which was really terrific to see because I think it was tough for him to be in Los Angeles and to not – you know to have been a part of a huge production but to not be still working. And Elwood went on to a lot of stuff and Sean was still working and Orlando was uh, – he was uh, – I think he was already doing pirate movies. And, and, and mm-hmm. for Dom, it's like a bit of a – you know, it was a little frustrating. And then, you know, to, to latch on to such an incredible, incredible yeah. show um, and be a part of that, I think, was a tremendous reward for the determination uh, that he showed when things were not clicking uh, just after uh, they finished filming Lord of the Rings. Um, and then what was that like for you? To yeah, you were in one or two episodes, guest right? star. <laughs> that was so classic. <laughs> that was such a trip. Um, there was a really good, you know, it's unfortunate because we didn't overlap. He like, I think he left. Um, yeah, I think he had to fly back to do some press. So he left the morning after the night that I got there. So we didn't actually, um, oh, o- how overlap. Sad. <laughs> well, it was okay though, because, um, at the time he and Evangeline Lilly were a couple. Um, and so, it was probably best that he left town um, while I went and made out with his girlfriend a whole bunch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's good to put some distance between uh, (laughs) when that happens and when he sees it. That's a lousy thing to say um, (laughs) because we're working. That was a job. (laughs) Um, You know, it was nice to go, to go, you know, so funny to be faking Iowa in Hawaii. You know, it's, it was just a. Was but a doesn't very, the Big Island have like sixteen climates in it? Sixteen different climate zones, or something like that. Well, they they were on Oahu. They were shooting They're on Oahu. On Oahu. Okay. Yeah, for the most part, I think they went. They probably went to the Big Island for a little bit of stuff. But the stuff that we shot um, that was supposed to be Iowa was uh, was on Oahu. There was there was one tree that looked uh, that you know was not. Um, a, a uh, you know Tropical, a native yeah. Uh, tree yeah they're like and that looks enough like Iowa so that's where we <laughs> that's where we you know dug up the the time capsule and then uh, you know the stuff in the parking garage was at a mall which uh, you know is easy mall yeah could be a mall. that's a universal <laughs> yeah yeah so to answer the uh, initial question Logan it was a lot of fun growing up 
um, with, uh, you know, a hobbit for a brother before he was a <laughs> hobbit. And it was a lot of fun having a hobbit for a roommate um, after uh, he had been a hobbit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, while we're on the fun stuff, there's a few more questions that we ask every guest. I wrote desk in the notes. That was an interesting I, I, I saw that, and I was like, mm. Yes. Uh, so, uh, do you know the Harry Potter books? I, well, I, okay, they can't see that, so you have to vocalize. <laughs> I mean, I think I probably said enough with the silence. I don't. I really don't. I oh, see, that, that could have gone either way. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if you were like, obviously. Well, oh, no, 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 I don't. I, I don't. It, it, and it's almost embarrassing uh, to, to say that because they're so popular. But I, uh, you know, when they came out, I was a little bit older than the target audience. And I was... Uh, <laughs> You know, I was intent on finding um, finding my way to the bottom of any bottle I could uh, get to, uh, rather than reading. Uh, you know, so I missed yeah. them. Uh, does that totally kill the next sequence of questions? Well, you probably don't know what the Hogwarts houses are, then, right? Hmm. Uh, no, but my wife—I think she's asleep. She might be able to tell me if I, is this a am I a Slytherin or a? Uh, uh, there's four of them. <laughs> so there's like Slytherin, Gryffindor, Hufflepuff, and Ravenclaw. See, I'm going to go with, and, and having absolutely no knowledge of what they <laughs> all uh, represent, I'm going to go with Ravenclaw just because um, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, crows. Caw, caw, motherfucker. <laughs> I think there are no, they eagles, though. Wait, I don't remember. They're eagles, they're right? They're ravens. No, they're are ravens they? in the movies. I'm pretty sure they're eagles. Okay, I'm a Ravenclaw, so I'm going to check this out. Ravenclaw. Oh, nice. Uh, I chose we my... We both are. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Magic. It's an eagle. Eagle, motherfucker. <laughs> Perfect. Another very bright and uh, flighty animal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so cool. You can, you can also be a Ravenclaw. I was going to ask you about Richard's and Reynard's character... But I think we can probably skip that. Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't know enough. Uh, yeah, I don't know enough. How Which about I think, astrological uh, science? my age, actually. Go ahead. How about astrological science? Uh, okay. As Do in, you, like, what? You, what's your sign? All right. Well, I was, <laughs> I was born uh, May 12, 1973, which makes me a Taurus and an ox by the Chinese. And I always like to say cool. that people have been telling me that I'm stubborn my entire life. Uh, and I don't really see it. <laughs> very cool uh I, i'm a virgo and a boar uh <laughs> yeah. yeah sure i Which am is... cancer and i do believe a dog perfect yeah <laughs> you know, cool. it's funny i i'm a huge fan of the 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 chinese um uh, horoscope um in conjunction with <laughs> so do you have like chinese horoscopes worked out for your characters probably not Shit. <laughs> uh, is there, give me, there isn't give me a eight, fox, eight, right? Give me no, there's no fox. I would probably guess that um I would actually I would guess that Richard is it might be a Virgo as well, because he's like he's got his he's sort of stuff up. in a in a row. You know what I mean? He's got yeah. like at least the care with the with the folder, uh, you know, the organization stuff uh with the free traders. I, I feel like he probably might be uh, he might be. I know all the Virgos I know are uh, pretty freaking organized, <laughs> which is good. Which is a huge. I mean, that's a plus in a person. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we, we've got our negatives too, but we'll we'll, we'll leave it there. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, okay, so 
on to career stuff. I, so I was really curious about this because I, okay, so I looked at your Wikipedia page and then being a Virgo, I saw that there was a coding error and I fixed your Wikipedia page. Um, Thanks. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> uh, I think I might've accidentally, do you have a sister? I think I might've removed your sister though by mistake. So. so. Wow. Uh, I, I do. I mean, I have a stepsister. Um, okay. If you tell me her name, I'll put her back in. I think I disappeared her by mistake. But <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I don't even know. That's interesting because uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't know if she was on there. It's been a long time since I looked at it, though. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's from uh, my stepdad's um, first marriage, my sister Charlene. Um, but I don't. You know, she probably would prefer to not be on that page. Well, then we'll She's leave her off. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but so I wanted to ask. You worked with like a, a ton of talented people. So I wanted to ask, like. In quick succession, what was your most challenging role? Which directors or other actors did you learn the most from? And what was it like working with Whit Stillman? Oh, wow. Uh, it's, it's funny. Uh, you, it, it, all the answers are right there. <laughs> um, no, uh, that's, that's not true. Uh, Whit's, Whit's an incredible guy. Whit is, um, you know, he's one of the brightest people that I've ever met. His, um, his command of the language, his understanding of conversation, his ability to put um, very uh, elegant thoughts into a character's mouth um, in a conversation uh, is uh, really fantastic. You know, it, um, <laughs> he'll probably be ticked that I bring it up, but like you know, his his first screenplay was nominated for an Academy Award, and and that doesn't um, that doesn't happen uh, that often. I mean, there's you know, uh, very occasionally does someone's first screenplay um, get that kind of attention. Um, so it, it was a, it was a treat uh, to be able to 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 say. You know, uh, to to say his words. What was interesting, though, um, is uh, you know the inter- our interpretations uh, uh, were probably different. I know in the uh, after the audition, after I got the job, like one of the first things I said to him was like, "Hey, man, this is a terrific comedy you got here." And he goes, "Oh, it's not a comedy." <laughs> <laughs> Oops. To which I was like, "Oh shit!" Um, although now that I think about it, he was—he pro- might have been saying that as like a brilliant director move to make sure that I didn't try to go for jokes because oh, yeah. the jokes were apparent. Well, I—I I just realized that now, uh, twenty-five years uh, later. So that's <laughs> talented. Um, I, I, you know, I've—I'm lucky. I've had a lot of fun working with a lot of different people. Um, <clears throat> in terms of learning from, gosh, that's hard to say. I mean, I think I learned from. A lot of people, whether they're intending on teaching or mm. not, um, uh, you know, there's. I've seen. I've, I've had the, the good opportunity to see a lot of examples uh, that I wouldn't want to follow, and to see a lot of examples that I would want to follow. Um, Mark Harmon comes to mind as someone who is um, an absolutely incredible leader, um, mm. and 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 not in terms of like commanding people, like uh, you know, like a like a field general or something, but just in terms of setting a tone and setting an example. Um, with the way he carries himself and with the way he treats other people, um, Scott Bakula, with whom I just worked, uh, <laughs> also well, uh, in, the so NCIS, <laughs> uh, in the NCIS, in the NCIS franchise, falls into that category as well. Um, just, uh, just a very quiet, composed, professional uh, leader, um, and, and that's you, you know, um, episodic television uh, is an interesting animal um, because uh, you're at it for a long, long time. Uh, during a season, and and you really, you know, you you're in the trenches with people. There's a long, long days, and even though we are, you know, make and make believe, there's still like stress, you know, because money. <laughs> um, and so uh, the leaders that I've seen on episodic shows uh, really, really, really leave a, a tremendous impression. So I would say those two guys. Um, <laughs> I've had a lot of fun uh, as well. Um, 
I'd say the most fun uh, group of folks that I got to work with was on a movie called How to Deal, um, hmm. which we filmed in Toronto in 2002. Mandy Moore, um, a baby Mandy Moore was the star. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Allison Janney played her mom. Uh, Dylan Baker was an actor in that. Peter Gallagher was an actor in that. Um, a, a lovely actress named Mary Catherine Garrison was in it. Alexandra Holden. Um, and we, uh, we had a lot of fun. <laughs> we had a lot. <laughs> Fun. You got it done. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, so I, I, I didn't work with Mandy Moore, but I worked on a film um, with that Zach Braff was in while they were dating, and she came to set. Uh, so nice. I've actually met awesome. her. She was really nice, huh? Yeah, she's tremendous. Like she's a really, really, really terrific. I'm so happy for her now to see the success of the show that she's on now, um, because in my mind, she kind of deserves that. She's earned that. She's she is not unlike, um, in my opinion, uh, someone like Mark Harmon. Um, who is uh, just carries themselves, um, you know, as 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 a, a decent individual and sets a really good example. Um, certainly a better example than I was setting in two thousand two. Yeah, we we all we all have our journeys. Yes, <laughs> as you were saying, indeed. yes, indeed, <laughs> right. Based on that, um, then what what would be like a dream role for you? And are there any directors that you're dying to work with that you haven't had the chance to yet? Wow, that's a great question. I mean, the wish list is uh, uh, long and distinguished. Um, it's tough to say what what a dream or dream role is. You know, I, I it would be really nice to have. Um, it would be really nice. I mean, I kind of already have it. Like. I'm so lucky. I'm I'm working on like four different shows right now as a recurring character, which is, you know, a very very fortunate no three a very very fortunate uh, thing to be as an actor. Um, you know, uh, so I have I have no I have, like to be a working actor is just I'm so grateful for that. Um, you know, if 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 we're if we're talking um, you know, uh, uh, genie with a lantern kind of thing. It would be it would be fun to work on uh, on another series, uh, you know, as a as a regular. Um, in terms of directors that I'd like to work with, God, there's so many. There really are so many. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's too late for Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> um, you know, oh, any of the Guillermo's would be fun. Del Toro, Navarro, oh, yeah. <laughs> those. Those are some talented uh, individuals. Um, oh man, Guillermo del Toro should hire you. He could do some great things <laughs> with. Well, with you. <laughs> from from your lips to the network's ears. <laughs> oh yeah, I've got so much influence. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. We're putting it out there. It's 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 tough to say, Logan. It's tough to say. Like I, you know, I, I'm so grateful to get a job when I get a job that uh, it could be directed by you know uh, a cartoon character, and I'd still be okay with it. Um, <laughs> well, depending on the cartoon character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe not like Bart Simpson. <laughs> right. Yeah, probably would be too focused. <laughs> um, so, so we had some some like this from fans too. Lauren asked about the kinds of roles you look for, like your favorite and least favorite kind of characters to play. And you touched a little bit earlier on like least favorite. Um, uh, you know, again, it's like it's tough to categorize. You know, I, I have. I've been lucky to work. I, I was lucky to work for a, a number of years when I was a little bit younger as the nice white guy uh, in a number of different productions. Um, as I got a little bit older, and after I took a little bit of break uh, for a bit, I came um, back to work 
and got a, a, a lot of parts as um, the guy, the white guy you think is nice, but who who turns out to have done it. <laughs> I, I even made a crack uh, on an episodic show um, not too long ago where I said, listen, if Mackenzie Aston's in an episodic, he did it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, you know, e- e- each of those can be can be fun to play though because they're all you know they're they're variations on on different yeah. themes. Um, it's been um, God, I'm actually working on something right now which has been a lot of fun just because of the clothes. Really, <laughs> uh, it's a movie that takes place just after the Civil War, uh, and so um, I, I get to wear a, 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 a sort of Civil War era uniform, uh, which is. You know, as a little kid uh, playing dress up, you always want to do. Yeah, the you know? uniforms like that are, and th- they were such uniforms. They don't make them like that anymore. <laughs> no, they sure don't. Which is probably a good thing because they are hot as blazes. <laughs> yeah, the the wool and the yeah. Are you kidding me? Like, how did those guys do it? You know, I don't <laughs> know. It's yeah, it's a really good thing they were not in a desert. So, Oof. well, no actually, kidding. some of them were. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. Not the Civil War ones, but uh, anyway, you right, were saying, no, with, yeah. <laughs> but, well, no, but in, in terms of like the kinds of parts that I would like to play, uh, you know, it'd be fun to play a journalist. It's fun to play a teacher. It's fun to play. Um, it's fun to play characters that are that are bright. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's fun to play characters that um, make a good conversation, and that sort of segues back to Wit because his his stuff yeah. was so fun to say. Um, you know, a lot of the stuff in television, though, you don't really have time for extended uh, conversations. So, um, with that in mind, uh, you know, you sort of have to count on um, uh, films or theater, really, for for terrific dialogue. But listen, truth be told, uh, you guys, I'm grateful to work, so yeah. I will take any part. <laughs> <laughs> well, I still think Cameron Del Toro should hire you. I think that would be. I think he could do great things with you. So, I, uh, I, actually, wait a minute. I should tell Sean to tell him that. Yeah, yeah, you got oh, an in. There you go. <laughs> he's probably just getting up right now. He's in Hawaii. Oh no, it's like five o'clock there. So yeah. <laughs> well, so you kind of touched on our on our next question, Logan. You want to? <laughs> yeah. Uh, can Can you name drop anything you're working on now? That way we can look out for it in the future. <clears throat> add it to our must watch list. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, the episode of NCIS New Orleans. I don't think that will come until uh, the following season. I think that'll be in its fourth season. So uh, okay. you'll. Uh, I don't even think DVRs work that far ahead. Um, <laughs> there's a show on Hulu called Chance that stars Hugh Laurie, um, oh, and I'm yeah. getting I get to work on a couple episodes of that. Um, so look for that in its, I think it's his second season, um, uh, which is exciting cause he's, <laughs> it's funny. I got to work with him on house as well. Uh, and you know, he was, I was like, I did an episode, you know, at house. He goes, Oh, that's good to see you again. And I'm like, come on. And he goes, you're right. <laughs> you know, cause he goes, we did so many of those, but I, I was lucky enough to work, uh, on the episode of house the, the night he he won the Golden Globe and made oh, this incredible cool. speech. If you get us, if you get a second to find, track down the Golden Globe speech he gives, um, it would have been 2006, I think. It's just, it's an epic, epic, perfect, beautiful speech. It's just funny and clever. Anyway, he's terrific. So there's, uh, I think, a couple episodes of Chance that'll be in in their second season. Um, there's a mo- the movie that I'm working on. Uh, I'm just going back to work in Florida on it. Uh, is uh, called The Chickasaw Rancher. And it's a production of the Chickasaw Nation. Uh, and they are doing exciting, exciting uh, stuff. They produced a film a few years ago called Teata. That's two words, T-E and then A-T-A. And that was um, the uh, 
the performing name of uh, a Chickasaw lady named Mary Frances Fisher, who uh, was a real uh, person, uh, had, uh, lived to be 99, uh, passed away just about 10 years ago, uh, was an incredible, incredible um, human being, uh, but was um, a, a, a famous Chickasaw storyteller, was an actress mm. to begin with, but she uh, sort of um, became a, a performance artist and combined some of the storytelling lore from her Chickasaw upbringing uh, and also some other Native American um, uh, storytelling uh, uh, stuff and became tremendously popular and was a, um, a friend of Eleanor Roosevelt's and, and performed for kings and queens. And so they made a film about her a couple years ago, The Chickasaw Nation did, uh, that starred uh, Corianka Kilcher. Um, and oh, it's yeah, she's of, great. <laughs> oh, she's fantastic. It's played a bunch of festivals and done fairly well. And, um, and it was... You know, it's a really, they're, they're just, so, you know, it was a great experience for me because I got to play uh, a nice white guy. Teata, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, the real lady, she married a, um, a, uh, a scientist uh, named Dr. Clyde Fisher, hmm. um, who actually helped um, start the planetarium in New York uh, City. And so that was a, a terrific experience. And the Chickasaw are making another film called The Chickasaw Rancher, uh, which is about another uh, Chickasaw fellow um, who was very influential uh, in and around uh, the time of the Civil War and a little bit after, mm. both uh, uh, in uh, Chickasaw lore and for other tribes uh, around the area. Um, I, the reason I'm uh, bringing this up, uh, not only because I'm currently employed by it, but it's a really interesting example of a sovereign nation uh, doing um, interesting stuff with um, with their their wealth. The Chickasaw have about eleven or twelve casinos in and around Oklahoma, and so they they do well as a nation. They 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 you know they have a, they have a good um, income, and most of that money goes into low income housing, hospitals, and schools, and looking after um, the members of the Chickasaw Nation. And they're also starting to spend a little bit of that on uh, making films, telling stories. Um, about uh, um, famous and influential Chickasaw folk, mostly for the Chickasaw. You know, mm. uh, Hollywood has a, a, a fairly lousy track record in terms of um, authentic representation of indigenous peoples. Um, less yeah. so, of course, over the last 30 years. Before that, it was <laughs> really yeah. Uh, yeah. not good for at all. It was pretty much just <laughs> offensive. So. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, real bad. Um, but um, it's it's just been, it was really nice to be able to work with Chickasaw again, That's great. Uh, and just to sort of, I don't know, just sort of like just want to you know to learn from the example that they're setting um, in Central Oklahoma yeah. right now, and, and like in in my opinion, I think it's it's the kind of example that the rest of the country could learn from. But that's yeah. again. Uh, that's some yeah. soap stuff. It's you know it's so interesting though that you mentioned um, Corianka Kilcher. It's a, the, the reason I the reason I sort of brightened up at that um, is uh, you know do you know what like fan casting is before they announce the cast of a TV show we come up with it. Uh, I, I do now. Okay, she was my <laughs> pick for Julia. She was who I wanted to uh, play Julia. No kidding. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Wild. Yeah. Uh, you know I could totally see that. Cute Corianka. She's a tremendous actress, and she did such an incredible job in the movie Teata. She had a lot of responsibility. I mean, this is a this is a person who is an uh, an Oklahoma state treasure. This is a person, this uh, Teata, um, who you know there are uh, numerous uh, statues uh, to and of her mm. around the Oklahoma, you know, all throughout Oklahoma, and I, I think actually in the in the nation's capital as well. Um, and she, man, she just carried this movie. She's so 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 good in it. 
Um, and she's uh, staying busy too. She's I think incredible. she's working on the Alienist right now over there in uh, in Hungary, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. It sounds like we have a lot to see you in, which I'm so excited by. Uh, yeah, I'll be honest, me too. <laughs> can you tell us, will we see you in season three? I can't tell you. <laughs> okay, I, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I would I would like to think that you will, um, you know, but I I don't I don't know. I, don't I hope know. so too. I think there's I think there's there's one guaranteed way to find out. Well, I mean, you know we're gonna watch. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it'd be interesting because I don't know really where where Reynard or Richard would fit in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the it seems like um, it seems like their their stories have been told, but again. The laws of physics do not apply. <laughs> yeah. So who knows well, what could happen. And I think, like, what you were saying earlier, right, like, there was so much that Reynard just didn't get to process that happened, like, at the end of his arc of season two. Mm-hmm. I would like to think that he's capable of change, and I think that would be a really interesting story to tell. Well, agreed. Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, yeah, there's probably a terrific um, uh, redemption story uh, in there. Um <laughs> How my idea, my idea, uh, uh, which you know I sort of jokingly uh, uh, threw towards uh, production uh, during the winter. Um, one of the last things that um, Our Lady Underground says is uh, to Julia is that he will, she she'll be sure he receives the punishment uh, that he is due mm. for his. He he'll be punished for his crimes. I forget. It's it's some a phrase to that effect. And so my idea for season three uh, would be just occasionally. <laughs> Uh, just sort of cut in to a shot of Reynard, um, like working at a Subway sandwiches, uh, or, <laughs> you know, like uh, oh. driving a cab someplace where there's really bad traffic, or oh, you know, that's amazing. Um, just like doing some very difficult, uh, like menial, like you know, uh, just a tough jo- job that nobody really like a toll booth operator or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. You just see it for a split second, you know, with the eyes, and he's like, oh man. <laughs> Now I want that as like Easter eggs in the background of everything. I'm that would like, be great. Every right. single episode, like one little shot of Reynard right. doing something. Right. It's such a silly idea. <laughs> I personally, I, I don't think we're done there. I feel like maybe yeah, not for season three. You know, there's only 13, 14 episodes, but I definitely don't think that we've seen the last I agree. of that storyline. I Logan, I, I can honestly tell you uh, that I hope that you are right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just going to say, you know, it's such a terrific group to work with. Um, you know, uh, from uh, stem to stern, you know, the, the entire cast, the production staff in Los Angeles, um, the, 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 the crew and the production staff in Vancouver um, are you – know, are, you know, are delightful, delightful people. And I remember, the you know, in the first couple episodes sort of – walking around thinking, holy shit, I've heard about this in the past where people say there's a really good vibe on a show and so you knew the show was going to go, mm-hmm. you know, and I was like, I think I'm having that experience right now, <laughs> um, which was, you know, exciting as a, as a, as a recurring uh, character to, to be a part of. So, you know, if I'm fortunate enough to continue to be a part of it, uh, I'll bring muffins. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and so you know that the John McNamara has this big uh, obsession with musicals. If you were I in do. a musical episode as Reynard, what song would you sing? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a hard knock life. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I love it. <laughs> yes. I mean, is that even the title of the song? That's that is the title, right? Or yes. Is it, 
It's like the Miss Hannigan Blues or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, oh, God, thank you so much for joining us, Mac. This has been really, really delightful. Um, Likewise. I'm grateful. <laughs> like, you know, I'm glad you guys uh, knocked on the door. Well, we will definitely have you back as long as you're amenable to that, too. Um, I, I'm told from Danny to, to, tell, to tell you, um, says, I really want to talk to him because his performance is just incredible. Tell him that. And then there's hearts. Uh, tell, <laughs> tell Danny I said thank you um, and thank you and uh, I'm, I'm grateful. Thank you. And <laughs> let's do this again when she's, when she's available. Uh, yeah. Logan, no offense. I'm <laughs> taken. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, thank, thank you so much. We, we, we really think your, your work is so brilliant and I'm just delighted uh, we had a chance to talk to you. Also, you're just such a nice person. <laughs> uh, yes. Cheers. Thanks. <laughs> well, you know, this has been the best hour <laughs> right on good I'm, well, I'm going on 24 hours a week so i need a oh, little yeah. break good for no. you like for school or just like uh no i, I work so i'm up at 3 30 <laughs> in the morning so i have three hours of sleep before i get up for work tomorrow holy shit logan is a gem of a human she stepped in on like half an hour's notice and uh, we we promised we had to say this she was she was pounding shots of mac aston trivia for the last (laughs) hour beforehand wow uh good luck with that i recommend you drink some water before you go to bed (laughs) a gallon of water a day so yeah those 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 shots will leave a mark (laughs) Oh, well, on that note, thank you again so much for joining us. Listeners, if you like the episode, don't forget to subscribe and rate us on iTunes. We'll see you next week to talk about episode 110, Homecoming. Bye! 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 Mind slide.